What's up, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, your podcast for all things defensive line play. So wherever you are and however you're listening, maybe uh, you're on the road today driving, maybe you're hitting a workout, uh, working out in the yard, uh, or maybe you're hiding out from the wife and kids. Look, no judgment here. Uh, just glad that you're listening and tuning in today as we creep closer and closer to the start of football season. For me, like it's like once, uh, once July 4th is over, I start getting that feeling in my gut. You know, you, you know the feeling. It's like a mixture of uh, excitement, anxiety, anticipation for the season ahead as we are now under a month before we start our fall camp. And, and this next little part of the podcast, I'm just going to apologize to you guys who are outside of the state of Texas who listen. You know, this may be the point where you want to go uh, you know, grab something to drink, grab a snack really quick, because I want to talk to you guys who are listeners of the podcast, who are in Texas, who are going to be at coaching school, uh, which is happening a week from today. You guys know coaching school is kicking off a week from today, at July 18th in San Antonio, uh, which is basically this, this gigantic convention for all Texas high school coaches. But it ends up being mostly football coaches who are there. And, you know, this year is going to be huge for a lot of reasons. First of all, uh, you know, last year obviously was canceled because of COVID. So it's back this year. So you know that there's going to be a bunch of guys who are showing up who, who are, are eager to, uh, to get back together after missing last year. And then secondly, it's back in San Antonio after being in, uh, you know, coaching schools in Houston in 2019. And look, hey, I love Houston. I grew up an hour north of there. I'm a huge Houston sports fan. Altuve walked off on the Yankees last night. But I think I speak for the majority of the coaches when I say I'm glad that coaching school is back in San Antonio. I'll, here, here's, here's, all I'll, here's the only thing I'll say. Coaches, when you're out about late, late at night on the river walk, just stay out of the San Antonio River, okay? We don't need pulling your big old butt out of the water because you're having too much fun. Anyway, we have a great event for you guys who are going to be at coaching school. We're putting on a coaches social where we'll have a bunch of former guests from the podcast on hand, hanging out, getting to know each other, talking some ball, exchanging some tricks of the trade. And it's going to be awesome. And I'm so excited. And we want you to be there. So that sounds like something you want to check out. Then DM us on Twitter or send us an email to kypdpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll send you an invite complete with all the details I uh, also have to shout out our, our, our three sponsors for that event uh, who are helping make that possible, which include RFS Sports, uh, Powerlift, and our principal sponsor, Go Edit Graphics. I really appreciate those guys and proud to be partnering up with them uh, to put on this event for you coaches, really as a way to say thank you for tuning in each week, for uh, giving us great feedback and support, and for making this podcast so much fun. Now, speaking of Go Edit Graphics, not only are they sponsoring our coaches social at coaching school, but they sponsor this podcast and they are ready to handle all of your graphic needs when it comes to promoting your athletic programs and athletes on social media. So what Go Edit Graphics does is it allows any coach, and I really, I mean any coach, to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, the text, and the images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is very easy, it's super affordable, and, and really there are no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoTo Graphics has got you covered. Subscriptions are for 12 months, and they include unlimited graphics. Here's something else that's cool. 
Make sure to keep your pads down and receive $25 off your Showcase yearly package. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in minutes. Go edit graphics. All right, so besides listening to KYPD, how else are you expanding your knowledge of football? If you're like me, you're probably hitting guys up, maybe you know, calling them on the phone, shooting them some texts, uh, asking them questions, uh, maybe attending some in-person clinics, which are all great. But you should also do what I do and check out the awesome clinics that are being put on by our friends at Our Coaching Network, who we are proud to be partnering with for Season 3 of KYPD. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off three or four nights a week. I'll have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year, with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. This week, our coaching network has clinics going off Monday through Thursday night with a kickoff return roundtable clinic on Tuesday night and a D-line clinic on Wednesday night, plus a whole lot more that I'll have time to get into. But just trust me, there's something for everyone there. So get on over there today, create your account. It's very affordable, and you can cancel at any time. Level up on your football knowledge and connect with some outstanding coaches from across the country today, our coaching network. All right, well, let's get to the reason why you're listening today in the first place, shall we? Today, for the first time on this podcast, we are showing the state of Connecticut some love with UConn D-Line graduate assistant Luke Carazzola joining us for episode number 113 of the podcast. Now, Coach Carazzola was a four-year letter winner for the Huskies uh, from 2014 to 2017 before rejoining the UConn football team as a defensive graduate assistant in 2019, working primarily with the defensive line and Prior to rejoining the staff at UConn, Coach Carazzola played defensive end and outside linebacker in the Alliance of American Football League for the Salt Lake Stallions after taking part in the Kansas City Chiefs and Washington Redskins rookie minicamps. During his time as a player at UConn, Coach Carazzola was a three-year starter where he accumulated 37 career total starts and was named to the 2017 Football Leadership Council his senior year. Coach led the 2015 and 2016 teams in tackles for loss by helping lead the Huskies to the St. Petersburg Bowl in 2015. Today, Coach Carazzola takes us through the Huskies' fundamentals coaching progression for their defensive line. And we start with stance, and we work all the way up through uh, block destruction, escapes. And so if you're looking to fill in some gaps in your own coaching progression or maybe pick up some drills or techniques or just affirm some things you're already coaching, then this episode is for you. Now, if you'd like to watch the video of my conversation with Coach Carazzola today, you can do so by checking out our YouTube channel, a link to which can be found uh, in the show notes of today's episode uh, or on our Twitter feed as well. All right, so with all that being said, let's jump right into today's episode. Here is Coach Luke Carazzola on episode number 113. Keep your pads down. Coach Carazzola, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to have you on the podcast today. I appreciate you, you know, you hitting me up and us getting, making it happen. This has become a morning routine for me to be able to listen to different coaches and, and I'm doing it driving to work and driving back. So I'd love to be able to join, join the crew here for a night and get on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Well, like I said, we've had coaches uh, from a lot of different places. Last, this, this, this past episode, we had a coach from 
from Southern California. We've had coaches from Canada uh, and, and everywhere in between. But I don't think that we've had a coach on uh, from Connecticut yet, uh, at least coaching in Connecticut. I know you're from Pennsylvania. We're about to get at it here in a second. Uh, so let's let's start there. Let's let's uh, let's talk about just your football journey up to this point. You're a defensive GA uh, there at UConn, your alma mater. Walk us through a little bit of your your football journey up to this point. So I grew up in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. It's about 20 miles north of, of Philadelphia there. So I grew up on cheesesteaks, tasty cakes, and soft pretzels. And I also grew up about 10 minutes away from Sesame, uh, Sesame Place. So, Coach, I know you got, you got a few uh, few kids. So if you ever need a, a place to go, you can come up to Sesame Place. I'll tour you around good old Langhorne, Pennsylvania. But I grew up in a competitive household. I had an older brother. Um, he played Division One college football at Rutgers, and I, play, I had an older sister that played uh, college lacrosse at Holy Family, and now I have a younger sister that's getting ready to run track and do uh, cross country at Westchester, Westchester, Pennsylvania. So, you know, we were, we were a household that just competed in everything we did, whether it was, you know, who could get the best grades, who could have the best games, or, or who can get to the dinner table first. So it was always just kind of a, a competition in everything that we did, and as well as a mom and dad that you know, I've been blessed uh, to still have in my life and that love me. And I also have my grandma grow up with us, but um, you know, it, it's just been a blessing to be able to grow up in a competitive household that was full of sports and, and good times and fun. But um, my football journey started at uh, Neshaminy high school, played for coach Mark Schmidt, who's in the Pennsylvania football coaching hall of fame. And from there, you know, I kind of grew up watching my brother play. My brother was a, he was he was a big a bigger uh, a bigger deal than me coming out of high school. Yeah, he was he was the guy with all the offers in the Northeast, and and me I was more of the underdog that that um, grew up playing tight end and, and ended up playing defensive defensive end in uh, in college. So you know I didn't have as many offers as my older brother, but always had that mentality of the little brother that's just trying to prove his older brother not wrong, but but show that that I could play too. Um, so I ended up having a really uh Good high school career my senior year, won a district championship where we lost to St. Joe Prep, who was now kind of turning into a national uh, national school there as a private school. But um, but after after high school, I, I committed to the University of Connecticut. It's kind of a different story. I kind of just went up there for a camp and then played offense and defense at the camp. And, and Coach Paul Pascaloni offered me a scholarship. And then by about two weeks later, I drove up with my family and fell in love with the school, fell in love with uh, the, f- the facilities up here and, and the atmosphere and, you know, how the coaches were going about it. And so I went and committed earlier my junior year uh, around that June time, that, that first week in June during camp season and, and kind of just wanted to focus on my senior year. But, um, you know, so I was very fortunate to be able to come up to UConn. By the time I came up to UConn, though, it was a different staff. It was Coach Bob Diaco and I played for Coach Diaco my first three years here at UConn. And I also played for uh, Anthony Poindexter, who's defensive coordinator here. And now he's at Penn State. And as well as uh, Coach Vincent Brown, who was a linebackers coach here, that's now defensive coordinator at William Mary. And, and those are, you know, those are some names that that were huge in a, just legends of defense um, as players and as coaches. And to be around guys that that played the game at such a high level for me. It was it was something that as I was going through, I wanted to play in the NFL my whole life, but I knew that at some point I wanted to become a ball coach too, um, just for what they did did for me and in my process and my journey. 
I knew I wanted to be able to do that for another kid. Um, so that's, that's really the reason why I started coaching. I mean, those, those guys were, had huge influence on me and as well as the next staff, my senior year, coach Randy Etzel came in and as well as coach, uh, Dennis Dotton Carter, who's the defensive line coach here today still, and Coach Essel's still the head coach here today. And they've they've had both had a huge influence on my life as well. Being able to, you know, maintain those types of relationships has, has helped me. And really being able to being able to uh grow as a coach and, and as a player. But uh from my senior year, I you know, I did uh my pro day and everything, and I was fortunate enough to uh be a invited to two NFL rookie mini camps, one being with the Kansas city chiefs and the other one being with the Washington football team. And now the NFL, it, NFL is a tough league to stick in. So unfortunately I didn't stick, but um, just being able to, to go and, and train and, and uh, practice those, with those guys for a couple of days, I, I was able to pick up a lot. And in, so I was training and I was training in Tampa, Florida with yo Murphy down there at ASPI. And, and that's a big training facility that they, whole bunch of Buccaneers uh, train at. So I was able to really work with Warren Sapp for a little bit, as well as Booger McFarland and, and other pros or ex pros that came back and trained. I was able to learn a whole lot about pass rush. So at the same time I was playing, I also knew that I was going to be learning a lot. Um, So when I didn't stick in the NFL, I came back to high school. I was the, I was the big old uh, high school sub teaching gym class, you know, sweating in between periods, playing basketball, but um, came back and, I was fortunate enough to have Coach Steve Wilmot, who's the head coach in Chamonix High School, bring me back and being able to help coach the defensive line, defensive coordinator Neil French. Um, it was awesome being able to come back to the place that you grew up loving and that helped you make who make you the man, the man who you are. So I did that for for a year while still training, trying to play. Ended up playing the Alliance of American Football. Um, played for the Salt Lake Stallions for a year. That was an awesome experience playing for Coach Dennis Erickson, who's obviously a legend, and being able to learn from him and his crew as well and kind of grow my network a little bit at the same time because I knew I was going to get into coaching after. So, uh, and it was one of those things that that everyone on the team pretty much had NFL experience. Some guys had NFL rings. Some guys were playing the league for four to five years or, or they just got cut from the league. And I was kind of a guy that, you know, I had my – not even a not even a cup of coffee. It's more of a shot of espresso in the league. In the league, but uh, I was kind of a guy that just um, I was hard to cut because I knew I, I like to I like to think that I knew a lot of the playbook at different positions. So I was I was playing three four outside linebacker, four three defensive end, four three outside linebacker. Kind of a guy that made special teams his best friend. Um, so I just I I knew I wanted to play as long as I could, and that's what I tried to do. So I so continued to play in that league. And then, you know, unfortunately about week eight, they brought us into the hotel and the league unfolded. Um, we we kind of just found out and, you know, coaches are upset and players are upset, but that's kind of the life of it. And turned to kind of turn to, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Get one night at the hotel, got to find a flight back from Salt Lake to Philadelphia and, and see what you want to do from there. And it's kind of crazy timing because, you know, I'm looking on my phone and I see that UConn football needs a defensive line graduate assistant. So I kind of thought, you know, maybe this is the time for me right now. And, and it was, um, before you knew it, I was on the phone with coach Etzel again and just to have him being able to bring me back, um, come in the program and learn as much as I have so far, it's really been a blessing. So I've been here since 
2019, learning from Coach Coach Dot as well as Coach Spanos, who's our defensive coordinator. And you know, it's I've been here since, and now just continuing to learn as a coach and grow as a coach is something that I continue to do. Well, that is a, a really an unbelievable journey. Um, you know, to to bounce around from two different leagues like that, and coach coach on the high school level, and now wind back up uh, at, at at your alma mater there at UConn. Uh, I've interviewed you know several guys who are who, who are currently GAs at their alma maters, or they have been a GA at their alma mater. And I always am interested in in hearing the answer to this question: What's been the biggest adjustment for you uh, when it comes to you know being a player at UConn now transitioning to a coach at UConn? How have you had to adjust? your way of thinking, your mindset when it comes to that. Yeah, so coming in, I knew right away that some of these guys that that are playing right now are guys that I played with as well. So I really wanted to establish and, and take this kind of with the maturity level of, of understanding that I'm a coach now, and, and that's that. I mean, I made that this, when I made that decision, I knew that, you know, this wasn't a – these guys, you know, they're great guys, and they're my brothers at the end of the day because we went to the same school. But, you know, I, this is a coach-player relationship all the way. So I think I think with that mentality, with me coming in that, I kind of gained a lot of respect of not only the guys, but coaches as well. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And then outside of that, really, as a player, you know, you, you understand football, can talk football, but you don't have to draw all the diagrams. You don't have to make the prep, you know, the PowerPoints and everything. So I made Vizio my best friend the past two years, as well as, a, you know, PowerPoint, Word and excel all of it um that's something that I've, I've really been grinding on since i got here and you know i continue to try to get better at and so now we were we were talking uh before we before we started recording and we we're kind of talking about just a little bit about the last month and what that's been like for you and, and really college coaches across the country it's been an absolute whirlwind uh you know wrapping up camps official visits things like that so talk about just talk about what this last month has been like for you and, and, you know, what some of the challenges have been and, and really just what that's been like. Kind of give us a behind-the-scenes look at what it's been like for you guys uh, now with the dead period being over at the end of June and, and wrapping up this, this month of camps and official visits. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this, this month has been awesome. It's, it's been exciting, especially because, you know, in Connecticut, there, with COVID and everything, there were a whole lot of more mandates and laws than other areas. So we've been, kind of, we've been very strict about it. And obviously we hadn't played in this past year. So being able to get guys up here on campus and on visits and camps is, has been great. You know, I've been sunburnt, my throat's a little scr scratchy at the end of June, but, but it's all been worth it. Um, but really we've been doing a bunch of, bunch of visits and as a GA, you know, I'm the guy that, that drives to the airport. I think TSA kind of knows me on a first name basis now at, at uh, Bradley international there, but um, we've been able to, to get guys on campus and get a couple commits as well. And it's been great. I'm, I'm a guy that obviously I've been here, so I'm giving out the campus tours. Um, I'm giving the facility tours and, and doing things, pretty much anything to help our recruiting uh, department and our staff get more guys here at UConn. And as well as, you know, just, it's just been exciting coaching guys at camps. I mean, being able to work with defensive linemen up in the Northeast that want to get better, that want to get some exposure and, and getting, getting them through drills and our indie drills and showing them how, you know, how we practice as a college has been awesome. Um, you can, I can feel the excitement kind of getting up here in stores, Connecticut, just with football around the corner. And we haven't, we haven't been on the field in a little while now. Um, but I know the people in Connecticut are excited. And I know that, that our, our staff and our players, especially who've been putting in the work this whole time have been excited. And as well as our, our freshmen that just came in this June, uh, this June as well. So it's been, it's been pretty, a little, little chaotic, but 
you know, with planning and, and everything that our that our staff has done, um, I really feel like we've done our best job to put our guys in place for success. And it's just been, you know, an exciting June this past this past month. So I'm I'm curious when you, you talked about how you guys weren't able to play last season. So now as you as you look ahead to this next season, um, how hard or, or maybe easy is it? What's it like as you try to evaluate what type of team you're going to have, what your needs are going forward as far as recruiting goes? Like how hard is it to judge your team without having that, you know, this past season to go off of? Yeah. And it's one of those things where, you know, we were, we were a program that were playing in 2019. We were playing a good amount of young guys. So not having this season, it was kind of a, a deal where those guys kind of were able to get in the weight room still and get bigger and get stronger as well as being able to do spring ball. We were able to get spring ball in as well. So we're just excited for the developmental of our, the development of our guys as well. But obviously missing that key piece of playing in games is, is something that we missed this past year. But, you know, we, we just tell our guys we control what we can control at the end of the day. And that's huge for us and, and our guys in general. But um, I know that they're dying and, you know, they're scratching at the claw to get out in the field. You can see it in the way that they work and the way that they train. And us coaches are well, you know, we're, we're pumped to get our guys out there in 2021. What's the, uh, the one thing, if you could maybe single it out to one thing, what's the one thing you miss the most about actually playing football? I guess just to, to maybe even brought it out about, about football season in general. What's the one thing you miss the most after not playing this past year? Uh, I would say the most, I mean, the game itself, man. I, I think just seeing our guys out there because these are guys, you know, football is one of those sports that you train every day pretty much. And you get 12 opportunities if you're lucky, you know, without injuries or anything. And, and just to see our kids being able to get out there and, and cut it loose, um, that, I think that's the, that's the biggest thing that I kind of miss, just the atmosphere and the game here in Connecticut. But um, those are just little things that I miss like that. And, and for our guys to, you know, be able to get, re- get rewarded and get a chance and an opportunity to go win football games. Um, but, you know, now we just announced that our stadium's full capacity now, so we're, we're ready to get going. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know you guys, as well as you know, most college programs, and, and even us, like, like you said, we, we did get to play, but it was heavily restricted, and, and, and it just wasn't the same. And so we're, I think we're all looking forward to, you know, to those full stadiums and being able to get back to some sense of normalcy, especially when it comes to, to coaching and just having a football season. Let's let's transition now and talk. Uh, you know, we're talking about just some some fundamentals of defensive line play and how you guys are coaching up your defensive line there at UConn. So I know you have a presentation, so I'll let you uh, pull that up, and then uh, we'll let you go through that, and I'll, I'll ask you questions as we get through that. But uh, you know, just kind of talk to us a little bit about your defensive front while you're setting things up, about your defensive front and what you guys, what techniques you guys are playing, and, and things like that. So, so really, I like to talk about the characteristics of, of great defensive linemen and and have our guys really understand what that means. And the first one I have up here is motor. And, you know, if you listen to keep your pads down, I, I, I got a pretty certain chance. You know, I feel like you probably know what a motor is, but um, to us, it's, it's really playing with that possessed mindset at all times and going from uh, all the way to the whistle. I mean, if you're able to play with the motor on every single down, it's going to be contagious throughout a football team. And that's the type of defense alignment you want. So, which really leads us to our next point is, is violent. You know, you got to be a violent guy to play defensive line, especially here. You're going against bigger bodies every single play, and we're telling you to knock back and reset the line of scrimmage, put your hand in the dirt. You got to look forward to that type of action. And 
you know, that's something that we constantly preach is, is violent hands, hips, pretty much violent in everything that we do. Because right now when you're 18 to 22 years old and you're playing college football, that, that's really the only time that, you know, you're being coached to be violent. Anytime after that, you know, you're probably going to have a, a conversation with the law that you don't want to have. But, uh, and which brings us into our next point, and that, that's going to be our toughness. And to me personally, I always believe that when you're evaluating a football team, especially a defense, and you want to evaluate their toughness, the defensive line is going to be, is, is definitely going to be one of the first groups that you look at. And you want to have guys that are both physically and mentally tough because, again, you're going against bigger guys. And we're telling you reset the line of scrimmage. And, and guess what? They have more of those bigger guys most times, whether you're playing three down or four down uh, defense. And in doing that, you know, we tell our guys that we try to be as high twitch as possible because we want to come off and we want to strike guys first. And so that's a huge characteristic for, for our defensive linemen is, is being able to strike guys first and being, being twitched up because we want guys that can beat guys across their face, whether we're stunting or, or come off on third down and, and beat them with speed because that, that's going to cause problems for offensive game plans and offenses in general. And then finally is prepared. I think every defensive lineman, it's a characteristic that you work on every day, is needs to have a plan for success. And in doing that as a coach as well, is, is you got to make sure their plan for success is on the field, but as well as off the field. I mean, I see it in, in guys is, you know, whether they're trying to gain weight, lose weight, push weight in the weight room, you got to have a plan to, to achieve all of your goals, especially in the classroom as well. And, and being here at the University of Connecticut, that's huge in the classroom for us because, you know, we're a top 25 public university past 10 years. So our guys need to make sure they're prepared to, to have success in what they do. And then this goes into the next point, which is going to be the fundamentals of what I see uh, in great defensive linemen. And this is kind of what we're going to talk about more here tonight. And my first one is get off slash takeoff. And to me, I know there's coaches that teach different techniques to me keep our guys playing fast and physical. I like to kind of simple some things down for them. So our get-off technique, that's going to be our first and second down run technique, our, our run base technique, our get-off stance, and our get-off in general. And then our third down, now we're thinking speed and one get after the quarterback, that's going to be our takeoff. So those are the two type of techniques that, that we continue to teach. And going to our next point is going to, going to be striking and separating. And we got to be able to strike and separate off these offensive linemen because you know that they want to hold you. You know that kids are going to try to complain about holding, but we don't use that as an excuse ever because if we're playing with great technique, then we're able to strike and separate off of these guys, which leads us into our escape, which is our third point here. And escaping, I like to think it's kind of like the sexy part of, the, of defensive line play. You always see it on the defensive line videos and everything like that blowing up on Twitter. And it's obviously a key essential piece to get off blocks and free yourself up and go make plays. So we always teach escape. And fourth, I have pass rush kind of its own thing. I won't get too much into pass rush tonight because I feel like I could probably make this whole presentation about pass rush, if I'm being honest. But um, pass rush is kind of its own deal there. And then five, I got aggressive finish. No matter what we do, we want to ha have an aggressive finish. Um, we want to make sure that we're dictating the terms up front and, and playing with that style. But for our alignment, shades, and gaps, this is kind of like the great debate here. Um, to me, a, a zero technique is head up on the center. A one technique is the shade of the shade of that center, you know, two eye inside shade of the guard, two head up on the guard, three outside shade of the uh, guard there, four eye being inside shade of the tackle, four head up on the tackle, five outside shade of the tackle, and now seven is going to be inside shade of the tight end, 
I just grew up on that, to be honest. I, I'm adjustable and flexible with all this stuff. I've been in different schemes and systems that call things different ways, but as long as defensive line knows, you know, the terminology, then, then I think you're going to be successful. And then six being head up on the tight end and, and nine being outside. Um, so in terms of an alignment terminology and in a relation to a man on, our base, our base alignment is going to be your near foot through that inside shaded number. So that being, if I'm going against the left tackle here and he's number 57, my inside foot is going through that number five. And then as we, as we look at different things like running back alignment, whether it's deep or he's, or he's flat or he's two or away, and as well as our tight end alignment, if he's off the ball, if he's on the ball, if he's deep, if he's looking back, we can always dictate our alignment. And, and that being a tight alignment, having our near foot splitting both of the numbers now, therefore being tighter to our offensive lineman or a loose, which would be more for our guys when, when the back is away and you're thinking the ball's coming towards you. And, and that's going to be our, our near foot outside of that number five. And then a wide, and now we're thinking, you know, third down, getting after the quarterback, go ahead and wind yourself out. But that's just the common terminology that we use for, for our alignments and our shades. Um, moving on from there, we get into our get-off stance. And, and our get-off stance to me, it's, it's feet, your feet are going to be shoulders width apart. You know, this is our first and second down stance. Our back foot toe is going to be, be to your front foot in step. So it's only a little bit of a stagger. We want our guys bending at all of our power angles, our hips, our knees, our ankles. You're going to put your ball hand down. We call it a credit card alignment from the ball. So I should be able to swipe a credit card between your fingertips and the football. We want to take up as much ball as we can. That way there's, there's no wasted movement or there's no stepping underneath ourselves and we want to be able to gain a little bit of ground there. Um, we're going to have a flat back with our eyes up, eyes on our key. And then we want to generate enough weight on our down hand where our heels are going to be off of the ground. And we're going to have that off hand ready to strike with our elbow off of our knee. I think that's huge. I think find a couple of guys when they get tired, they put that hand, uh, that off hand down or away or they're resting it on their knees. I, I like to, I like our guys ready to strike every play and, and for you listeners here, I got a picture of J.J. Watt um, kind of dialed up to it right now. And, and you can see he's a great technician in how he plays. But um, the, the move in our get-off in general, everything that we're going to do, we're going to trigger on movement. That, that's how we operate. We know that our guys need to be twitched up, and it's something that we're always, we're always teaching and preaching. Um, but we're going to trigger on movement in all of our drills, and we tell them to have an explosive first step in our get-off, and we want to quickly get that second step into the ground. The reason for that is one, so we can change direction according to the blocking scheme, whether you're getting, you know, whatever blocking scheme you're getting. And if we're, if we're making contact on that second step, we want to be able to have our feet, both feet in the ground, generating our power and, and being able to strike guys. But we also tell them that body angles at 45 degrees, you know, striking from low to high, getting off low to high. We want to be able to maintain a flat back and, and name of the podcast. So you got to be able to keep your pads down, man. You yeah, gotta, that's it. No doubt. Got to be able to play with great leverage. Um, it's a game of leverage. And, and in our get-off, we want to shoot our hands, elbows tight, thumbs up, hands above the eyes, and keep a strong base in the run game. All right, Coach, while we're on get-off, stressing, stressing it at a you know, six-inch power six. step or a short power step, or is it, hey, fire your hips and hands and your step will follow? Yep. We're more firing our hips or hands and, and stepping and follow. Um, we want to make sure our guys are playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. You know, we're most part, we're a one-gap defense, and we want to make sure that 
that we're winning that gap and knocking resetting that line of scrimmage back. So um, we just make sure that that second step is getting quickly into the ground. We don't tell them, you know, we don't we don't want our guys thinking out there. Oh, I, I got a power step here or, or anything like that. We want to kind of naturally build that within our individual, and and in doing that, um, you know, we have our guys go ahead and, and shoot that imaginary target with our elbows tight or thumbs up, and we'll get a little more into that in our strike. But um, but yeah, that's pretty much how we teach. We have our guys go ahead and 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 get off that football and, and, you know, be able to cause havoc back there. So moving on to our, our get-off drills, how we practice it is we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to put that football down and get our guys into our, our three-point stance, our get-off stance, and, and fire off the football and, and do exactly that, do exactly that and shoot our hands. Um, every time we go off the football and just, you can see here, just a quick four-yard burst. But um, it's an important four yards. We want our guys being able to play with low pad level at all times. There you go, shooting our hands inside. And, and winning that, that battle of that hands. Um, what this really progresses to is, is a line drill that we, that we do. And to me, this is one of my favorite drills. So line drill, we're doing that same technique. We're coming off the ball, shooting our hands, um, hitting that imaginary target. But now in the line drill, coach can give you a low hat to the right, a low hat to the left, and that's going to indicate run to left or right. We want to be able to plant off that opposite foot, get flat, and burst. We want our guys being able to get to that football. And then our, so for our front side uh, end and tackle, they're just turning and running. Our backside tackles turning and running. But that backside end is going to work a shuffle technique, reading that quarterback um, just like he would in the game, and then go ahead and burst the ball. They can also get a pass read, which will be a high hat. They're going to hit a quick pass rush move and reach, uh, finish with a hips through reach towards that ball in the quarterback. They can get a screen, which would be a high hat, and I'll point them off in a different direction. And then they have to plant off that opposite foot, turn and run in the football, just like it would be in the screen, as well as draw. I can give them a high hat and then a low hat. Now, they, now they're playing off that outside foot, turning their body towards the line of scrimmage and really retracing uh, their steps and going ahead and, and just like they would in, in the draw game. But um, right here, here's the drill. As you can see, guys are shooting their hands, playing, playing off of this low hat right here and, and turning and running. And, you know, I'll just let this thing run a little bit, but you see all of these reads in, in the game, and that's what we try to really um, imitate is, is our individual period is going to represent the game. Right here, here's the quick pass when guys are hitting the pass rush movement and then reaching. But um, we want to make sure that our practice habits become game realities, and that's something that we constantly uh, think about in our individual period as well. Right here, here's the quick screen, see high hat point, plant, and then go finish. And how does that, you know, always think, how does that impact the game? You know, this is our first drive against Indiana here on the road, Big Ten, big school. Um, I think this is the third play right now. And they're going to go ahead and the ones listening, they're going to read our defensive end. And they're kind of running a little RPO here with a Y flat. And our defensive ends to the boundary side with the Y. And, and they go ahead and they arc him. He's going to hit his quick shuffle read. And he's going to see that the ball's thrown flat. Now he can go ahead, get flat. And then go ahead and make a play on that tight end. You know, we stripped the ball out. Now we're on the road. We just got the ball. And the rest is history. We want to we want to go ahead and set our guys up to score, our offense to score. But, um, I mean, those are the type of plays that, that are exciting that can get defenses rolling, especially when you're on the road going against Big Ten, uh, Big Ten opponents. Next one, we're going to be looking at our defensive uh, tackle right here, Luol Uguay, out from Alberta, Canada. Um, he's a guy that that's, you know, we love to have him. He's, he's continuing to grow and expecting to have a pretty good year for us, but, um, 
can see it's a quick screen here to the to the boundary side. He goes ahead, he sticks that outside foot in the ground and goes and makes a play. And you know, it's a, it's a seven yard gain for them, which is you know obviously not ideal. But when you have your 280 pound defensive tackle running the football like that and being able to change direction, those little guys, you know, they don't like getting hit that much from those big guys. So um, I'm sure that that kind of built on in the wear and tear of the game. But um, that's how we want our guys playing. And that's why we do the line drill, especially is, is, you know, it simulates game situation. Yeah, I like that drill coaching for those guys who couldn't see it. Um, you know, you had your guys coming out from underneath, uh, underneath the shoot there and basically immediately changing direction, going right or left, running down that line with the backside in shuffling, kind of like you were, you were talking about. You know, when I, when I was uh, early in my days as a defensive line coach, we, we would do stances and starts every day. But, you know, those guys are sprinting five yards upfield. And I don't know if you would ask me why we were sprinting five yards upfield. I don't really know. I mean, I guess it kind of looks cool. But, you know, whatever. We're just getting off the ball, baby. And then you kind of realize, well, I'm yelling at them in the game for running upfield. But here I am practicing it. And, you know, we want those guys changing directions, you know, on a dime and, play, and working flat, kind of like what you're repping there. So I think that's a great point when you are doing those, those that get off drill is to have them change direction pretty quickly uh, so that they're working that skill. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, that, that's one of our drills that we almost, we will rep every single week, at least um, to me, it's especially in the off season for our younger guys. Um, it can be an everyday, everyday drill. I mean, um, that that's football and, and defensive line play. You win in those first few yards. So I think it's, I think it's huge um, for our guys to be able to read and, and react and get going. But um, as we get into it here, our takeoff now, now we're thinking more of our speed stance, right? We're thinking third down, we got to get after the quarterback. So I'm going to have a more of a narrow base. My back foot toes really to my front foot heel. Uh, both of my heels are off the ground because I have all of that weight on that front hand. Uh, we try to elongate our stance, but still want that butt up a little bit so you can explode out of that stance. Our feet are pointed forward and our off hands ready, ready to execute a plan. And same thing with our alignment. It's going to be a credit card alignment, being able to take up all of that ball and, and be a great threat on third down. And then in our takeoff, we also want our guys to have a plan, whether you know, you're hitting them with a speed rush, a power rush, or setting up the counter rush. We want our guys to have a plan every single time they line up in their takeoff stance. And essentially, you know, when, when we get going, we take off, we're always thinking that we got to work half of a man. It's huge. We don't want our guys running down the center of these big guys that are going to try to hold us up. We want to work half of the man and, and be able to win on that half, whether it's inside or outside. A little bit about takeoff is that to us, every successful pass rush plan begins with a great takeoff. Whether you're you're going speed, whether you're going power, I think if you have great takeoff, you can threaten offensive linemen in so many ways and get him out of his comfort zone that you know he's going to either mess up or you're going to win right off of the edge with your natural ability to move faster than a 300-pound man kicking backwards. Um, I think that's that's huge. So we tell our guys to keep the man in front, especially that outside knee, and really periphery the football. And obviously, we still move on movement. Um, that's why we do it every drill like that. And for our guys in a simpler terms, it's just pick a spot three to four yards behind the offensive lineman's outside foot and beat them there. We want to explode out of our stance, emphasizing gaining ground with low pad level, getting vertical, and being able to execute the plan at that three to four yard uh, spot. So the way that we continue to, to teach our takeoff is we run a drill called close to space. And we're just going to line in three point stance here with the offensive lineman in front of us, a scout team offensive lineman. And that first phase, he's just going to backpedal. And we're going to move on movement, gaining ground. And we're just going to tag the hip, tag the hip of the offensive lineman as fast as you can. 
and and understand that we got to gain ground with every step so we're not stepping underneath ourselves or anything like that. And then as we get into phase two, uh, we're going to now execute kind of our plan there um, in, in our pass rush. So when we get to that spot where we're tagging the hip, now we're rotating our shoulders. We're stepping through with the inside foot, pointing the toe where we want to go, and being able to execute our plan and bend and get towards the quarterback, as you can see right there. But that's really our takeoff for the most part. Um, always telling our guys to, to gain ground vertically and, and be ready to have pressure on that front foot so you can. Um, moving to our next part now here is striking, striking and separating. And in this, we want to be able to have fast, violent, and, and, and precise hands and in our hips and in our movement in general. What we tell our guys in sense of a target is that near shoulder pad tip and sternum when you're working in shade. And in our, in our defense, for the most part, we're going to be working some type of shade. So we always tell them that's our aiming points. And our strike in general, we want to work from ground to pads, having our hands above our eyes, elbows tight, our thumbs up, and we're going to punch with the palms, and most importantly, violently every time. And in our separation phase, now we're going to lock out our elbows while rolling our hips and feet with our head and our gap forward, knocking back our guys. So being able to strike guys off the ball, you know, reset the line of scrimmage and separate off these guys to set up a great escape is, is huge. And how we practice that is, our strike progression. And I know coaches do this in a bunch of different ways, but our first part of this drill is we're just going to be focusing in our progression. And our first part is just ground to pads. How fast and efficient can get your hands uh, to that offensive scout team player? You can do this on a sled. You can do it on each other. Um, that's why we really love it. I know some guys do it on a wall as well. But how fast can you get your hands from the ground uh, to, to the offensive lineman's chest? And in doing so, we start in a six-point stance. You know, our, our hands, uh, our fingertips are in the ground, our knees are in the ground, and our toes are tucked to the dirt. We want to still emphasize a, maintaining a flat back through it all, so it's most likely game realistic, like you're coming out of your stance, and we're just working our hands as fast as we can and as precise as we can, uh, thinking about efficient movements here. So our guys are just going to go ahead and, and move on movement there and, and strike the bag low to high, hands above our eyes. You can see 57, Travis Jones, and 98 do a pretty good job here. 98's Luol, who we talked about earlier, and, and just striking the bag as fast as we can. We're not really worried about rolling our hips right now. We're really just focusing on our hand violence. Now, in this next part of the progression, the six-point extension, now we're thinking about activating the hips and exploding through our hips. And now this is the one where you're going to finish, you know, most likely on your chest after you strike the bag and, and get our hips all the way through there. And, and that's how you progress into to our hip activation part of the drill. And we'll be working our, we call it fit to drive. And they're going to start off, this is kind of our new part of our strike regression here. And they're going to start off with one knee down and similar kind of to a stance when, when you have one foot up, one foot back. And they're going to go ahead and, and start, you can start them fit in on the back or you can start them in a five-point stance with your foot, knee, foot, and, and hand down. But they're going to go ahead and strike the bag. The biggest thing here we teach is being able to activate through the hips and explode through your hips and maintain low pad level and keep a base. Um, this is newer drill for us, and these are kind of our younger guys right now doing it, but the reason I like it, I, I like 96 approach to it. His hands are above his eyes. He's striking with an efficient movement. I think he'd do a better job of keeping a base and, and fall stepping, but um, but this is a newer drill that, that we've started in our start, strike progression to give them that, you know, that game realistic, uh, realistic movement at least. And then from there, coming out of a three-point stance now, the strike progression to complete the progression. 
going to get ahead. You can go ahead straight from ground to pads, low to high, um, and then tear off at the end with the violent escape, stacking the offensive lineman's hips and finishing in a football position. So that, let, let me let me ask you about yep. your your fit to drive drill. Uh, yep. I really like that, and and I think that's a a great drill. Again, to for those guys who are listening, you're starting with one, you know, on one knee, uh, and coming up and striking that that hand shield of the offensive lineman in front of you. Um, you know, you said that was sort of a new drill. Was that was that a skill that you guys felt like y'all were, you know, kind of that was like a, a bit of a hole in the progression there that that you felt like. You know, that's that's what that drill kind of did for you is sort of clean that kind of stuff up with your with your base. Like what what made you all seek that drill out and, and fit that into your progression? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was um, we were just looking for different ways where we can activate the hips and bring our hips um, in our strike progression, because you have a lot of guys that, that can get your hands on quick. But we want to be able to really bring that whole bring our base, our strong base, but also activate our hips and, and get into that separation. Uh, part of the strike progression there. So I think that was really a reason that we sought it out. And then we, you know, we tried it out a few times and, and we liked it. We liked how guys, I think our guys liked the drill as well. You know, if you throw the same drills at guys for, for a long time, you know, they might not, they might catch themselves going through the motions at times. So we're always looking for ways to new ways to develop guys with different drills and being able to, to get our guys excited about our individual period. You know, our individual period is, isn't a joke. We're not going to, we're not going to go through. Um, obviously, we're going to keep to our fundamentals and our technique, but we want our guys to be get excited about our individual period. And I think our guys really do once we start incorporating our new drills and everything like that. Yeah, for sure, definitely, no doubt. But um, next, got a little bit here on block recognition, and biggest thing uh, in here is re- we call it read the triangle. And what that is is our first key is going to be our man on. He's either going to give us a high hat or a low hat, right? And if you're thinking high hat, you're thinking pass. You're thinking low hat. You're thinking more of the run game and go ahead. And, and now you're thinking, is he giving me a hat to or a hat away? So if he's hat to him, he's obviously, he's going to have some type of blocking scheme at me, hat away. You know, he could be down blocking. He could be a uh, arcing me, you know, and you could be a read player or really what, why we call it read the triangles. We're going to get our eyes snapped down the line of scrimmage. If, if we get a hat away and we're looking for that backside pulling. Um, obviously that's big in our in offensive gap schemes and, whether they're trying to run power or they're trying to run different schemes here. Um, we, we're always understanding if we're going to be a midline or a squeeze uh, player. So a midline technique player for us is it's going to be, both of those are going to be a uh, scheme dependent, but a midline technique player for us is essentially what a lot of guys probably think of as a spill player, but we're, we don't go ahead. We don't teach the spill technique of wrong arming. Um, we go ahead and teach midline technique and what that is, as that backside puller is coming to you, you know, you're going to focus in on that shoulder pad tip sternum of the inside part of that backside puller. You're going to go ahead and you're going to strike him low to high, lock out, and then you're going to tear off inside. So you still understand that you're fitting this thing up inside and you have your linebacker, your safety filling, filling outside. But we want to make this, and the reason we do it is, is we want to make uh, the running back's job as hard as possible because we know he's reading that, that puller and he's going either going to, you know, if we go ahead and we wrong arm and we make an easy decision for him, he's going to hit that thing vertical. And, and that's the last thing that you want in the run game, right? So so we tell him to midline it as well as what that does is, is that lengthens the edge. So he has less of a place to cut cut up and it gives us our backers and our safeties more time to, to read run and get to where they got to get to. Um, and then our squeeze technique is now we're the edge of the defense, right? 
and that backside puller's coming or that tight end's coming to kick us out. And we got to stay outside of it. So my hips are going to be square and I'm really striking either the sternum to outside uh, half that backside puller. We want to be able to anchor down, strike, separate, and keep our hips square towards the really parallel towards the line of scrimmage and be able to set the edge. Now, when looking at the backside puller as well, you got to be able to read their tempo and the depth of the puller because in these schemes now, you know, sometimes they're going to be pulling for you. Sometimes they're, they're pulling up short. Sometimes they're, they're trying to log you inside. So I think the biggest thing is understanding what scheme you're going to be getting. And in that, you know, if the puller is not coming for you, then you got to be able to read the mesh point. And, and, and when reading the mesh point, you're really looking at the running back shoulders, depending on, you know, scheme dependent, if you're a dive player, if you're the quarterback player. And we tell our guys, you know, when you get that down block or you get that arc block, you want to really replace that hip of the tackle with a quick two shuffles and then being able to read either you're getting backside pull or you're getting read by the quarterback. Um, and then obviously you want to keep your hips square. You want to go ahead and take the running back depending on what we're running and, and everything like that. But um, other than that, you know, a lot of the man on blocks you're going to get is you're going to get drive, reach, cut off, double team, scoop, pin and pull, hinge, arc cut. You know, we, we practice them all. And I think that's huge because we're independent now. So we're an independent um, being independent. We're going to play all different types of football teams, including triple option. So that's kind of a whole game plan in itself, but um, we pretty much see in the run game, all different types of blocks um, other than, you know, your, traditional high school wing T, I guess, but, um, but really, you know, playing all these different teams, whether they come out 11 personnel, uh, 11 S 10 or, or 12 personnel, you know, we're, we're seeing everything, but, um, so we got to make sure that we practice that through the week and our guys do a good job of understanding that. But yeah, that, Coach, l- let me, uh, l- let me stop here and ask you a couple of questions about some of that stuff real quick. Uh, uh, you know, first of all, you know, talking about pullers and, and reading the puller, I think that's, I think that's a great point. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I always tell my guys is if that puller's coming for you, he's going to be looking at you. You know, no they're, they're not smart enough to, they don't, you know, quarterbacks <laughs> look off safeties, pulling guards don't look off defensive ends. They're coming. If, if he's coming to get you, he's looking at you. Um, now, I'm, I, that, that's, I think that the technique that you're talking about with the midline technique, that's an interesting one. Um, you know, we, I, I used to, uh, again, starting out was, was a long arm guy and, and, and taught that, mm-hmm. but it moved on from that. And I think, think a lot of people have for a lot of different reasons you named one there uh you know you're trading one for one you end up trading one for one when you do that a lot of times but so i just curious with you guys using that te- technique where he's ripping now inside do you get some some where instead of that, that guard now trying to kick you out they'll instead try to log you you know get on that outside and, and wash you down and then run off that run off off that guard's uh, butt that way yeah absolutely i think that's something that you see in um in college football a lot today, a lot more. I know when I was playing, it was the same thing as you, you know, we're going ahead, we're long arming that thing and, and we want to, you know, blow it up. But I think, I think today, you know, when we teach this technique, you do see sometimes those guards are going to log us. And, and that's why we really stress the importance of making contact with them. Right. And, and being able to know that, that we are going to impact the guard pulling on us, whether he's trying to get my outside pad or he's trying to kick me out traditionally. But um, we want to make sure that we make contact and that guard's responsible for us. And I think you make a great point with understanding the eyes of the guard as well. Um, but but uh, it's also the same thing with tight ends now, right? Tight ends come flying across. Sometimes they're going to kick you out. Sometimes they're going to log you. Sometimes you got to get outside for the naked game, get to the flat. So what the midline technique helps us is we're going we're gonna to go ahead and we're going to make contact with that tight end no matter what. 
and we tell our guys to make sure we hit that tight end if he's running, if he's not blocking us and he's going out to, to, uh, for a naked, for, for a quick flat route and just being able to affect. Now you can't grab or anything like that, but definitely make contact and be able to disrupt the play. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's the key is, is affecting that puller, like you said, and, and, uh, and get him off his path. Absolutely. Um, and then next, you know, we got a little bit about escapes here and, and in our escapes, our hands are always going to be violent. I mean, that's something that we preach and, and what we teach is, is you can get him with a little push, pull, rip escape or snatch arm over. And that push, pull, rip, that's more used in the sense of uh, that offensive lineman is trying to get great position on me, whether he's reaching or he's cutting me off. He's really trying to, to get to my outside or my inside pad. And we got to be able to lock out that gap arm and, and rip off with that inside arm and, and being able to make that thing cut back up. And now that's something that, you know, you kind of flirt, flirt the, you flirt the line of, um, do you tell them just go get vertical or do you, or do you tell them to try to get off clean and, and, and win? But um, I think, I think, I don't think vertical is really the word. I think creating knockback is, I think if you, no matter what, if that offensive guard, offensive lineman is trying to get to my outside pad, if I can create knockback and put him in the backfield, then that, running back's got to be able to cut it up inside you. And you were able to make a play by getting off the block with a, with a great ripper, arm over escape. And now our snatch arm over technique, that's more, you know, you're getting a uh, man uh, down blocks or you're getting a base block, a, a double team. And now, you know, you're going to be able to fight pressure with pressure, lock out, strike and separate, lock out, fight pressure with pressure. And now you're, you know that he's trying to power through you so you can snatch down and away from, from the body be able to punch that backside arm over and clear your hips and feet and make sure your shoulders get skinny and be able to stack that offensive lineman and finish in a football position. So escape is something that we're going to practice, you know, every single day or, or really every single week, depending on the blocking schemes that we're getting. So a little bit of a progression here again, is that we just start our guys off uh, in a fit position against our offensive lineman scout team. And then on movement, they're going to go ahead and they're going to separate. They're going to lock out. And then depending on what our offensive linemen are doing, they can be uh, coming off, you know, giving them great pressure and, and trying to drive them off. Our guys are going to be able to lock out, snatch, arm over escape. As you can see, 98 does a pretty decent job here. That's Lou Wall, and he's able to sit down behind the offensive lineman and stack his hip and get in good football position, ready to change direction. And that's exactly what we do with the next part of our uh, progression is, is that we go ahead and, and we change direction. We, we, we go from escape to a line drill. Right here, they're working a push-pull rip, though. So you can see the offensive linemen are now reaching for that outside or, or that, that opposite of that outside hat in, in this one. And they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to get around you and get great position, be able to lock out that gap arm, go ahead and rip with that inside arm, uh, getting off clean and be able to finish down low in a football position. But um, from there, we go from, from escape to the line drill. So it's, it's the same deal here. We're going to be fit in. Uh, Great low pad level flat back. My eyes are up. Go ahead and lock out, separate, and then being able to get off the block according to what the block read is. Then go ahead and and I'm giving a low hat here to the left, just like in our line drill, so they can go ahead and change direction and and give us a that aggressive finish that we're always looking to in our fundamentals. But um, so from there, you know, we we really break it down to drive, escape, tackle. Now, so now instead of me pointing in direction, we we go ahead and we want to be able to practice our tackling technique, which is something that we do. And I think defensive line coaches um, in general should always practice tackling. I mean, it's a fundamental of football and, and 
we like to practice profile tackling, being able to have great leverage, understand leverage, and club and wrap uh, violently and bring the hips and feet through with our head on the correct side. But um, right here, you can see our buddy Dalmont. Uh, he's from uh, South Carolina, the king of South Carolina. Here he's locking out, um, being able to tear off this block down and away and finishing. He's got to get his head on the other side here, but he's finishing with uh, driving his hips and his feet. So that's just the, the little little things that we do. Um, and being able to see it reflect in a game. Uh, right here, we're playing Cincinnati. And this is really, I, I think working escapes is great because it really helps in the run and pass game. So you're going to be able to see our guy here, 57, Travis Jones. He's a Connecticut kid from New Haven. Um, and he, he's a big guy that's going to help us out this year. But you can see the snatch arm over escape here. He's he's uh, getting that play action read. So those guys are coming off, but but not totally. And he's be able to, Go ahead and snatch escape. He punches that backside arm through, clears his hips and feet, and he finishes getting a sack. Um, so it's it's I think escapes are something that that also help him, you know, run and pass game. And this is the same picture here. Uh different picture, same result though, is, is Travis against our uh in a three technique. And he's going against Indiana guard here, a big 10 guard. He's able to lock out. There's a quick snatch escape. And now he's getting pressure on the quarterback right away. No, no man wants to get tackled by a 300-pound, 330-pound uh, defensive tackle. You know, that's a big body landing on you. So that's kind of the base fundamentals of, of how we see the game so far. And Look, here, here's, here's uh, what I'm thinking as I'm watching that. Okay, because this took me, again, I'm, I'm thinking back to my early days as a defensive line coach, and this is what took me way too long and, and where you're already ahead of the game is from, from a lot of younger, a lot of young defensive line coaches is that, they don't have a progression with how you're teaching things. You just kind of pull things a la carte and, and, and teach them because you know you need to do them. Like, I know I need to work on, you know, escapes. and I know I need to work on get-offs. But, like, it all has to fit in some type of linear progression, which is what you just showed. So if I'm a young coach and I'm watching this or I'm listening to this and I don't have that down yet uh, for my, in my coaching progression, there it is. I mean, I can, I can rip this straight from you and, and – that's my coaching progression. Obviously, I'm going to tailor it to how I want it, and maybe how, you know, some th- I, how how I say things or how our, my defensive coordinator wants things to be done. But I, I think that's a that's a great example of you know, how to work from the ground up, how to work your progression as a defensive line uh, in order to be successful and be really good at the fundamentals. Oh, I appreciate that. I mean, that's something that you know uh, coaches here have helped me with, and as well as even just spoke speaking on our coaching network. I know. You know, you work closely with them. It was something that I kind of realized watching everyone else. And, and for any young coach that's listening or watching, um, you know, try you got to try this stuff out, man. You got to be able to, you know, work it in practice. And I think even being able to present and, and talk on these different types of podcasts and different clinics tapes is huge. I mean, I know how much it's helped me over the past few months, especially with COVID. And there's no coaching convention. There's no bu- as many buzz talks. But um, for anyone listening, if you ever want to talk defensive line player, just football in general, feel free to. Hit me up. I'm on Twitter uh, at coach underscore Carazola. So I had to give myself a quick shout out to see if I could gain some followers. No, I'm just kidding, man. But uh, but I love talking ball with anybody. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, it doesn't matter if it's NFL, D1, CFL, D2, D3, high school. I I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I look to grow from everybody. So um, I appreciate you know you having me on here and being able to talk some ball. Absolutely. Coach, I'll tell you this about our audience here. we got a really good audience. They will give you a follow on Twitter. But one thing they won't do is no matter how many times you ask them, they won't give your podcast a five-star rating or a review. 
So don't ask that. I've tried. I try really. <laughs> oh, man. Getting that is hard, but following you on Twitter, yeah, they can do that. All right. That's a, uh, a slight, um, subtle, passive aggressive hint to those guys who check me out each week. All right. But you know, we can't let you off the hook that easy. I got a couple, um, got a couple questions for you, some rapid fire questions. You're a GA, you're used to thinking quickly on your feet and throwing things together in, a, in, in you know, in a short amount of time. So this should be no problem for you. Before we proceed with this, you mentioned, you know, you, you grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, and, and so I have to, I have to assume that you're a Philly sports fan. Yep. Growing up. Okay. okay. So here, here, there's a lot, lot, a lot of directions we can take this, but I'll take this because the 76ers most recently were in action, got bounced out of the playoffs. You know it's coming. Oh, you heard me. What, what, what are we doing? What are we doing with Ben Simmons? What's what's you're the uh, you're the GM. What's yep. up, with Ben Simmons? You and I both had a better shot at making free throws this week <laughs> than you did. What's the deal? Oh man, you're killing me. I, I've been trusting the process for the past five. You know. It really my whole life, but um, especially the whole process too. I've been trusting the process for a long time now. And and this past playoff experience, it, it it hurt my heartstrings, man. I was here talking to other coaches, talking about how the Sixers are gonna make the run this year, you know, no LeBron, no, no Steph. It's it's the time, baby. But um, you know, with Ben Simmons, you know, I, I love watching Ben Simmons play still. Um, I know right now that's not a popular thing. And obviously he's got to take take more shots, I think is I mean, it's easy for me to say. It's a lot harder for someone to do. I'm not going to pretend like I can go ahead and go out in the NBA and go and, and go hit some shots. But um, but I think uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting offseason, no matter what they do. I, I've been hearing talks about trying to get Damian Lillard. I've been, you know, I've been seeing all all these different things. But um, I think they can go in a different couple of directions if if they need to. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not for running Ben Simmons out of town just yet. I mean, the kid's 24 years old, but I think um. I think obviously he's he's great in other areas as well. It's just that you know we gotta get him gotta get a little more confidence shooting that basketball. Yeah, get him to a sports psychologist or something. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, okay, here's here's your next question. Staying with that, so let's talk about your Philadelphia Eagles. You got rid of Carson Wentz. Uh, how how are, how do you feel about Jalen Hurts moving forward? Do you think he's the guy for the Eagles? Yeah, I mean it, it's definitely interesting. Um, I did love watching Carson Wentz play. Um, I, I was a fan of Carson, so it was kind of tough to to just let him let him go like that. Um, you know, it was unfortunate, but I think you know, obviously Jalen Hurts is an extremely talented quarterback. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You see what he's done in his college career, and you see a little bit of what he does now. And I think that you know, with different coaching staff now, they can kind of build a plan for him. So I think I think there's definitely potential for him to be the guy. It's just a matter of you know how how they use him and how um, everything works. But I think you know, drafting Devontae Smith is a huge a huge part of that. Um, I think that's going to be a, a big piece for them as well. Okay. What fan base do you like the least out of the NFC East? You got, you got Washington, you got the giants, and uh-huh. course, you got the Cowboys coach. Easy. Yep. Tread lightly on this question. Oh, man. I'm a Cowboys fan and you're talking to a lot of Texas coaches, but I don't care. It, it won't hurt my feelings if you blast this, but here's, <laughs> here's the floor. Least uh, favorite fan base from the NFC uh, East. It's tough, man. That's a tough one. Um, you know, I almost want to say Giants because I'm so close to New Jersey and and I get all the talk from my friends. My brother lives in New Jersey now, so he hears a lot of it too. Um, I almost want to say Giants, but I mean, I feel like to, to tell to tell you that I'm a Philadelphia sports fan and tell you that the Cowboys aren't aren't on that list is I'd be 
they they throw me out of you know the the two one five. They throw me out of Philadelphia there. So I I got you. I got you. Yeah, and let's just hope you know with both of us, you know, me being a Cowboys fan and you an Eagles fan, that 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 the the division is not a laughing stock like it was this mm-hmm. past year and like it's been the last couple of years. Okay, we're gonna switch gears a second. You mentioned how you know this this last month of uh, you know you've been doing a, making a lot of trips to the airport, picking up recruits, driving them back to campus. So I imagine as a GA, you've become sort of an expert at making small talk with guys that you don't know. So we have some really awkward dudes that listen to this podcast that, that really can't talk themselves out of a paper sack. Some of them need help getting a date, whatever, whatever the situation might be. Maybe some guys need some help making, you know, interviews or whatever. So give us your tips on making small talk without it being awkward. Go ahead. Oh man. Um, I think the biggest thing is find something relatable with the, with the people that are coming in. Obviously, you know, I'm a little bit, I got a little bit of an advantage because they, they want to check out UConn and, and everything like that, picking up from the airport. But I think, you know, man, you, you just can't, you can't be nervous. You kind of just got to let it fly and, and see where the conversation takes you. Being able to talk about a little bit about your experience and, and wanting to know about other people's experiences, I think is huge. And, and um, you know, it's not, not, not something I was all natural at either. Um, geez, you asked my girlfriend, she probably thought I was the most nervous first date out of them all. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I think uh, you kind of just got to let it go, man. And, and being able to, you know, it helps me a lot being able to do things like this. I knew, especially in an interview, you know, on an interview basis, doing the Art Coach Network and now being on this, I feel like I've gotten better at it um, just with doing it twice. So I feel like I'm getting more prepared with it as well. So definitely practice a little bit before. Yeah, I think open-ended questions, avoiding yes or no questions, finding that common ground. Uh, oh, you're from Philadelphia. Hey, I'm from I'm from Texas. We're both NFC East fans. Let's talk about our teams. All right. You know, see, there we go. And now we're talking for the next hour about, you know, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, Dallas Cowboys, and we're off and running. Uh, okay, here, here's the next question here. Um, all right, so you're on campus. You're, you're showing recruits around. Like, what's your go-to line when you got a recruit and you're showing, you know, you're showing around campus? Like, do you have, like, a joke or maybe a go-to line that you always use when you're showing recruits around? You know, I'm thinking back, like, you know, if you've ever seen a program and they're showing them around and they, you know, they bring them into the stands. Uh, I mean, the San Antonio Stadium, you know, the guy is, is, is uh, his number up on the screen. You know, what's, what's kind of your go-to line when it comes to talking to recruits? Yeah, um, I would say when I'm showing the campus, especially UConn is kind of its own college town here. You kind of drive through the sticks a little bit and then it kind of comes out and boom, it hits you. It's, it's UConn. It's a beautiful campus. Um, we're about, just for those who don't know, we're about an hour and a half away from Boston and two hours away from New York City kind of in that middle point with being 30 minutes from Hartford. So the thing that I always tell our recruits at least is that UConn has everything that you need is at UConn. Anything that you want to do, you can go out and travel to go do. If you want to go check out Boston, you can do that. If you want to check out New York or you want to go get more of the city life in Hartford, you can do that as well. Um, that's my biggest thing is, is just letting guys know that everything that, that you need to be successful is right here. And I think when you, when you're able to come up and, and see our facilities and see that we're top public, you know, education in the world. I mean, that's something that, that I think is a great hybrid, a little, a little bit of a hybrid for us while being able to play against great opponents as well. All right. Last question here. We'll get you out on this one. You know, we got to close out talking food. We, this is a beeline podcast and you know where I'm going with this one. Probably you being from Pennsylvania. So if you're, if I'm coming back home with you and you're taking me around your spots, where, where's the spot to get the best cheesesteak? Where are we going? All right. So 
I'm not going to take you to the, the, the tourist location. I'm not, I can't do that. I got, I got to take you to, to more of a little bit of a, of a place. I'm going to take you to Steve Prince of Steaks. Um, and there's actually multiple, there's multiple little uh, spots of Steve Prince of Steaks, but, but it, I'd be doing you wrong if I take you anywhere else, man. You got to, you know, next time I told you, next time you come up and bring your kids to Sesame, Sesame Place, we'll go ahead and we'll grab a cheesesteak together and we'll make, we'll make it happen. Man, sign me up for that because I'm all about some cheesesteak. Okay. Well, Coach, like I said, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And I want to wish you and the Huskies the best of luck in 2021. I appreciate that, Coach. And, and good luck to you guys as well. And I'll be listening, you know, all the way through. Thanks once again to Coach Carazzola for joining us today. He gave out his Twitter handle there at the end of our conversation. But if you missed it, you can find him at Coach underscore Carazola. That's at coach underscore C-A-R-R-E-Z-O-L-A. Uh, be sure to go and give him a follow and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. Again, if you want to see the video of today's conversation, complete with drill cutups and, and game tape of the drills and techniques the coach discussed, then visit our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find a link to that in the show notes of today's episode or uh, on our Twitter feed as well. Our quote of the day goes like this. They won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And with that, we will put a wrap on this episode of KYPD. Now, remember, if you're going to be at coaching school next week and you want to come check out our coaches' social hosted by RFS Sports, Powerlift, and Go Ahead Graphics, then send us a DM on Twitter or an email to kypdpodcast at gmail.com. And we will hook you up with an invitation and all the details for that event going off uh, there at Coaching School next week uh, in San Antonio. For the rest of you guys, thanks once again for checking us out. Hey, go make a liar out of it. Give us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you're liking what you're hearing on the podcast or it, even if, if for no other reason than the fact that you just feel sorry for me. Okay? I, I'll even take that. Uh, anyway. Have a great week. Bring the juice wherever you are this week. And look, whether you're up in Connecticut or down here in Texas or somewhere in between, you better. Man, keep your pads down.